Thanks for downloading this Centre for the History of Medicine in Ireland podcast. For more information on the centre, go to ucd.ie forward slash history forward slash chomi. In this episode, a recording from the medical training, student experience and the transmission of knowledge circa 1800 to 2014 symposium, which took place in the UCD Humanities Institute in October 2014. The symposium was organised by Laura Kelly of University College Dublin and was generously supported by the Irish Research Council and the Wellcome Trust. Podcasting was by Real Smart Media. In this episode, a recording from Panel 1, Medical Training, Surgery and Obstetrics. The paper, Midwives and Medical Students' Clinical Obstetric Training in 19th Century France, was given by Natalie Prancher of the Sorbonne University, Paris. As training midwives um, became a crucial point of the French government population policy during the last quarter of the 18th century, a problem progressively came into view. How to train these midwives without any living material? I won't insist on the apparition of clinical interest among physicians and surgeons in the same period, uh, which has been so precisely shown by Michel Foucault 50 years ago in his birth of the clinic. But I will focus on the ways obstetric teachers tried to give a more practical dimension to their lessons. The first problem encountered by obstetric teachers, both surgeons and midwives, among whom Madame Ducoudray, uh, was the irregular and non-sedentary form of their teaching. Madame Ducoudray was commissioned in 1759 by the king, Louis XV, to enlighten rural matrons throughout the entire realm. She subsequently uh, had only a few weeks between four and six to introduce her students to basic anatomical knowledge and to explain the actual techniques of vaginal exploration and delivery. Uh, She thus explained in her textbook which difficulties she encountered. Uh, she reminds us of the obstacle she found in our project, uh, which was the difficulty of making herself understood by mind unaccustomed to grasping things except through the senses. And then she explains how she constructed a machine uh, to show better uh, to the midwives. Uh, I will show you this machine, which is uh, in the museum in Rouen. Uh, it's the last exam- example we have of such um, dummy um, demonstration. The use of the machine became an essential part of obstetric lessons, reminded by every teacher of the art of midwifery throughout the 19th century. In 1805, writing a new introduction to the third edition of his Principle of the Art of Midwifery, Jean-Louis Baudeloc insisted on the specific role played by the machine in the midwife's education. Uh, He explained that there are things that can't be described or engraved and that one can't make intelligible for students uh, without using a machine. Nonetheless, surgeons and midwives teaching the art of midwifery were perfectly aware of the necessity of practical training, both for the vaginal exploration and for the delivery. Watching able people practice, or practicing oneself, are the most efficient ways of acquiring the obstetric knowledge. In 1786, Joseph Desfarges, a surgeon from Balimousin in the center of France, uh, aspiring to become an official teacher of the art of midwifery in his area, uh, points out the fact that there won't be in the countryside enough women ready to give birth in a lecture hall uh, for a small amount of money. He therefore recommends the use of the machine. 
However, 25 years of pedagogical experience with both sedentary and non-sedentary and usually non-clinical teaching all over the country enabled obstetric teachers and public authorities to elaborate the best model of instruction for midwives and at least six months long uh, course in an hospital receiving pregnant women. The Paris Hôtel Dieu attained the 14th century an exceptional tradition of midwifery teaching. The Office des Accouchés, that is to say the maternity clinic, uh, was, uh, used to be the only place in Europe where to learn practical obstetric till the 18th century. Under the midwives in chief supervision, four apprentices spent three months observing and practicing deliveries. This model gave birth to the Strasbourg Maternity uh, Hospital and from there on uh, to every maternity clinic in Europe, uh, from Turin to Göttingen or Moscow. The revolutionary government decided to uh, maintain this tradition and in 1802, under the consulate, uh, Chaptal, Minister of Internal Affairs, decided to reform the apprenticeship in order to create a national school of midwifery the Midwifery School of the Hospice de la Maternité in Paris, which uh, we can see today uh, in the certain parts of Paris. The main quality of this Parisian school, located in the buildings of an old convent, Port Royal, uh, was to receive 2,000 pregnant women per annum and therefore give a quite extended field of observation and experiment to the future midwives. The quantitative importance of the maternity audience allowed the students to face obstructed labors and to learn how to solve them for the sake of mother and child. Jean-Louis Bodeloc, surgeon-in-chief of the Hospice de la Maternité, expressed three years after the reform his hope that stories of abnormal labors and tragically ended ones uh, would vanish from memories thanks to the clinical capacity acquired by newly um, trained midwives in Port-Royal. Uh, in his letter to provincial prefects in 1803 uh, to encourage them to send candidates in Port Royal School, uh, Chaptal also underlined the wide range of clinical cases offered by the Parisian school, described as the only French institution able to provide the required means to learn the art of midwifery, theoretically as well as practically. The 1802 Port Royal rules state that each midwife student has to be paired with a more experienced one to look after each woman in labor. The students have to observe deliveries and themselves deliver babies as, man, um, as many times as possible during their course. They must also complete two-hour shifts, a near-recently delivered mother, and pay regular visits to sick ones. Although Chaptal wanted Port Royal to become and stay the only French midwifery school, uh, receiving students from all over the country, uh, the government soon had to face the inadequacy between the obstetric needs and the number of graduating midwives uh, produced by the Hospice de la Maternité in Paris. In March uh, 1803, the Legislative Assembly voted a law uh, on the teaching and practice of medicine, a result of a 15-year effort to reform and rationalize the old regime medical system. The fifth chapter of this law dealt with midwives' education and exams. It states, it states in Article 30 that in addition to training provided in medical schools and especially for midwives, a yearly theoretical and practical midwifery course must be set up in each department in the most frequented lying in hospital. 
I'll skip the endless de debates between Chaptal and the provincial prefects uh, on the compared qualities of midwives' training in Paris and in smaller towns in France. Until uh, 1806, um, Chaptal nearly achieved his goal, keeping the Parisian school unchallenged and attracting uh, the best provincial students in this institution. But um, the always reiterated will of provincial administration to develop local obstetric training and the arrival in the Ministry of Internal Affairs of a new minister, Champagny, changed the deal. A vast inquiry was conducted in each uh, French department trying to estimate the pedagogical and clinical resources of provincial hospitals. 71 answers. Uh, remain today uh, in national archives and in local ones. The inquiry uh, results reflected social habits. Married women, able to pay for a midwife or a doctor, or to summon up an efficient family network, uh, gave birth at home, whereas single mothers or very poor married mothers uh, had to give birth in hospital. Therefore, 21% of the hospital considered in the inquiry never received pregnant women. On the contrary, only seven institutions could be described as real lying in hospital, uh, that is to say, Rouen in Normandy, uh, Limoges in Limousin, uh, Lyon, um, Bordeaux, and Paris and Strasbourg. That is to say there are more than 100 deliveries per annum. The result uh, allowed Chapta Champagne to define a minimal number uh, of hospital beds dedicated to pregnant women, 10 or 12. These numbers didn't take into consideration frequency of admission or length of the patient's stay. But they still posed as a symbolic quantitative threshold beyond which no suitable obstetric training could be provided. Such a threshold dismissed at the end of the inquiry most of the French hospitals, but gave the provincial administration a useful indication on the path to follow. From the 1820s to the 1860s, there were between 49 and 57 midwifery schools in France usually one per department. Most of them provided um, in general hospitals mat maternity war and or in specific lying-in hospitals. At the end of the century, uh, we can estimate that nearly 45,000 midwives graduated from uh, their, these courses. Long before the Pasteurian Revolution and the display of antiseptics, uh, midwives were able to lower significantly the French maternal mortality rate uh, in the meantime, other physicians were defined legally as medical recourse uh, for midwives in case of obstructive labor. Their lack of clinical training didn't allow them to fulfill their official role. As I said before, the quantitative threshold uh, to open an obstetric training was 10 to 12 beds bed dedicated to pregnant women. Along the century, the standards of, uh, in clinical field became more and more demanding. In the first decades of the 19th century, the use of anatomical views and models combined with maneuver on the mannequin, on the machine, formed half of the practical approach, happily but not usually completed by attending one or two women in labor. In the 1840s and 1850s, being able to deliver one or two babies per annum was considered a good training in Dijon, Bourgogne, or La Rochelle. The provincial teachers of the art of midwifery insisted on the repeated observation provided to their students, 10, 12 to 15 deliveries per annum during a two or three year course, even if the future midwives couldn't always practice on their own. 
The argument was however dismissed by the Ministry of Internal Affairs and the Parisian medical authorities. In 1867, the prefect of Aveyron decided to shut down the midwifery course in Rodez because the 25 to 30 deliveries uh, yearly couldn't provide a suitable training for the students. More than quantity, variety was required to train good midwives. The students needed to face abnormal labors whose statistical frequency makes more likely to happen in big lying in hospitals. It's the reason why the departmental administration of Aveyron uh, chose in 1868 to send two midwife students in the Hospice de la Charité in Lyon. Uh, it's about 150 kilometers north, uh, where they observed 1,300 deliveries and attended 100 women um, in laborage. Furthermore, the obstetric instruction officially included pregnancy and postnatal care, yet the length of the patient's stay didn't always allow the students to benefit from this part of the clinical field. Uh, the dissolution of Gals and Corporation, corporation in uh, 1791 France had a side effect. It affected also universities. Therefore, the medical faculty of the Sorbonne University disappeared in 1792, before the revolutionary government could even replace it by a more suitable structure. Three years later, the Health School of Paris was created, but it wasn't until 1797 that a real obstetric training took place both for medical students and for midwives. Nevertheless, though the school council recommended that medical students and midwives studied alongside, the teacher keeping a close watch, of course, at the decency of the lessons, uh, when the first course began, a clear distinction appeared between medical students and midwives. This division expressed both the teacher's concern for the morality of the midwives, but also their will to keep a personal field of teaching. In the midwifery school of the Hospice de la Maternité de Paris, Marie-Louise uh, Lachapelle, uh, the midwife-in-chief, uh, strictly forbade the entrance to men, except for the surgeon-in-chief, Jean-Louis Bolloc, who we already saw, and the medical doctor attached to the hospital. Such a decision caused anger and resentment in the French and European medical community. The only true clinical resources were kept from medical students, and even famous doctors had trouble to visit Port-Royal, as Edward Kaspar Jakob von Siebold, uh, a German obstetrician, uh, who reports in his obstetric later, letters that he saw the Hospice de la Maternité, but had real problem to step in, uh, and he had to ask with all his title uh, to a colleague in order to visit it only for a little time. This visit uh, took place in 1831. Sibold also reminds us that in this time there wasn't in Paris any public place where medical students could go and study obstetric clinic. The medical students had then to rely on the goodwill of Parisian midwives uh, who entitled themselves professor in the art of midwifery and opened their birthing houses in return for payment. Professor in Marburg University and quite proud of his title, uh, Siebold had struggled understanding such a profusion of professors of the art of midwifery. And he said, I was very unpleasantly impressed by all this advertising for teachers of the art of midwifery. But we found such midwives teachers uh, till the 1860s. Though the French revolutionary government soon recognized the importance of clinical training for medical students, the actual organization of clinical lessons only came later. 
Two years after the creation of the Health School of Paris, a practical school was added to the Health School, uh, but this practical school had still no teacher to provide obstetric clinic lesson, though the Medical Faculty Council asked for it in 1810. It wasn't until 1823 uh, that an official chair of obstetric cl clinic was created. This royal ordinance of February 1823 uh, planned to settle this new chair uh, with 30 to 50 beds dedicated to obstetric training uh, in the already overcrowded and uh, quite decaying, dilapidated uh, hospitals, um, which is uh, the convent of the Cordelier in Paris. It's near the medical school now. But soon enough, this hospital has to face terrific um, peripheral epidemics and uh, a quick decaying of the buildings. So it had to be closed in 1829. However, clinical necessities remained, and in 1834, the Medical Faculty Council unveiled the brand new Hôpital des Cliniques uh, on the same place. The first teacher of obstetric of obstetric clinic never had any true opportunity to teach, in fact. So he was replaced by Paul-Antoine Dubois, who was uh, already professor and surgeon-in-chief in the Hospice de la Maternité of Paris. The work he accomplished uh, in this hospital was celebrated all over Europe as a great improvement to the clinical training of medical students, even though the obstetric ward in the Hôpital des Cliniques had only 40 to 50 beds dedicated to obstetric training, which was far from enough to provide complete obstetric clinical training. However, no extension of this obstetric ward uh, was to be seen until the buildings of these hospitals were destroyed in the end of the 1870s. Medical students and midwives from the medical faculty took the shifts in turn to prevent any indecent contact, uh, day shifts from the medical students and night shifts for the midwives. The 1880s were a turning point in the French obstetric history. In 1881, a new obstetric clinic opened its gate, uh, Rue d'Assas, near the Luxembourg Gardens, with 78 beds dedicated to pregnant women and as many baby cradles. Uh, the shift's organization changed, medical students delivering babies from Monday to Friday, and then uh, midwives from Friday afternoon to Monday morning. Six years later, a second obstetrical clinic uh, chair was created for midwives only. This new chair was settled in the Clinique d'Assas, so this clinic, which became after 1897 Clinique Tarnier, in tribute to the great obstetrician Stéphane Tarnier, late professor of the Hospice de la Maternité de Paris. The medical students moved then to a new hospital, the Clinique Bodeloc, uh, in the nearby area of the Hospice de la Maternité. Here comes my conclusion. While the practical education of midwives was a real concern for the French government since the end of the 18th century, the medical students were kept away from any obstetric clinical training until the second half of the 19th century. The gap uh, of knowledge and capacities was not only a school matter, but had a great impact on the everyday practice, especially in the rural area. Midwives knew how to deal with abnormal labors and how to handle forceps when medical doctors often turned out to be totally unqualified. 
Nevertheless, the opening of the Hôpital des Cliniques gave birth to a new generation of obstetricians and led to the creation in 1882 of the first specialized group of doc among the doctors of the assistance publique, that is to say, uh, the obstetrician of the Paris hospitals. I thank you for your attention.